You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, contract time, contract extension time, show them the money time, let's play football time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon, a nice rainy Thursday afternoon, it feels a little... Almost fallish, I guess you could say, which is good because uh, it's football season time. This is some decent football weather, you might call it. Not just me on this podcast from the Blunt County uh, satellite office of Go Vols 24-7. We got another man who likes the uh, inclement sad weather because he's a sad, sad man. It's Grant Ramey. What's up, man? I love this weather. This is crisp weather. This is sweatshirt weather. This is the bugs fly south for the winter weather. That's this the is, uh, you can randomly have a little fire pit action going on. Smell the firewood weather. Yeah, you, Perfect. You, the rain might knock it out though. It's not a thousand percent humidity. Oh man, I yeah, love the rain some. will pass though. I, I want the crisp air. I want the cool air. I'm oh, good with it. I, I'm one of those weirdos, man. I love love summertime. The hotter, the better. Does not bother me at all. Does not bother me at all. But uh, you know, if I were Jeremy Pruitt today, uh, I don't know that any weather would bother me. Uh, because it was announced today, something that we've been expecting, frankly, for months, but it just finally came down today. It's uh, that Jeremy Pruitt has been given a two-year extension by University of Tennessee Athletic Director Philip Fulmer. His contract had expired or was going to expire in 2023. Now it's been pushed back to 2025. His annual compensation uh, has gone from $3.8 million to $4.2 million, which still, uh, in SEC terms, really isn't that much money, if we're being honest. Uh, and one thing that I think was neat was that he decided to go ahead and wait on taking that raise until next season. He didn't think that taking it during the pandemic uh, would be a good thing. I've not heard of any Tennessee guys, um, you know, giving back parts of their salary or anything. We've seen that in some other places. Uh, but the bottom line is I think it was a good move. Uh, and not just PR-wise, I think it was just the right thing to do uh, to move the extension in terms of the, the pay raise back to uh, 2021. But Grant, Tennessee has a, uh, a football coach now for two more years. This is a guy who has – this program's won six consecutive games. Uh, you know, it's, it's a move that we thought might happen months and months ago, and it probably would have if not for, the, for COVID-19. So what are your thoughts on this? I think it's a good problem for Tennessee to have to want to extend his coach. Um, you go back to what we saw last year, how disastrous the start was. You had to be wondering after five games when they were one and four, when uh, Georgia beat them pretty good at home, when they went to Florida and got beat pretty good after what had happened against Georgia State and BYU. Uh, you had to wonder what Pruitt's future was at Tennessee and, and kind of how shaky the ground was and if this thing was ever going to get going. And all of a sudden it turns around with, what, six straight wins or uh, to end the season, I guess. I think they might have had seven of eight and they went to Alabama and obviously played Alabama really tough down there, uh, number one Alabama team. So the progress he made and the, the time he made it, uh, it made sense to get him a raise and an extension when you could. 
Um, probably nobody predicted that there was going to be a global pandemic for 2020 and kind of put everything pushed aside. Uh, but to do it two days before the 2020 season starts, what should be a crazy 2020 season for everybody and a little bit unpredictable uh, to make this commitment now, I think it's a great, great thing for Tennessee to do to show what they believe in Jeremy Pruitt because you want to win football games and you want to recruit well to build your program. He signed a top 10 class in 19, or I'm sorry, in 20, uh, and his 21 class is back inside the top 10. It's been there for a few months now. So he's recruiting well. He's building his program the right, right way. He says the right stuff. He's a, he's a natural fit for this kind of program. So uh, it's a good move for all parties. Yeah, and, and we live in a society in, in terms of college football coaching I guess in particular, and you see this in other other areas of sports, but but to really see this in college football, we sort of live in a world now where your contract changes. It seems like every year uh, or most years, you know, you're either going to get an extension or you're going to uh, basically be be shown the door. I mean, that's almost kind of like it's you get an extension and a raise, or you get an extension but no raise, or you get shown the door. And that, that's kind of the world that we live in now. And, and for recruiting purposes, uh, I guess this thing does matter to kids, right? It does for sure. I mean, you, there's like you said, there's very few neutral kind of seasons. I guess maybe Will Muschamp might be in that kind of category right now or the last couple of years where you don't know what his future is going to be at South Carolina, but he keeps sticking around a little bit. But, I mean, you, you have to show that kind of commitment uh, when a coach is winning games the way they won games to close the year, they beat some teams they weren't supposed to beat. Um, you know, I mean, as, as slow as it was to start the year, they still recruited well uh, despite those early losses, and they were able to turn it around. So uh, I think you want to show that commitment. You don't want to know who your coach of the future is, um, and, you, and you want to do that as publicly as you can uh, to help that recruiting stand. So the way he's built the program, the way he kind of continues to build the program, uh, the way he handles the day in, the day out, uh, on the field and off, it makes a lot of sense that Tennessee wants to, uh, what was the word that Philip Fulmer used, give him more runway uh, to build the program. That's, that's a good call. Yeah, and, and in terms of money here, you know, we're, we're, let's not kid around the fact that, that we're talking about a significant chunk of money here. This is $4.2 million, but you know, when you look at what some of the coaches toward the top half of this league are making, I, I think that's still – a very reasonable rate. And and when you're living in the state of Tennessee, maybe it's a little bit different because, you know, there's no state income tax and there's not many places, not many states in the country um, where, where that system is in place. So so maybe that $4.2 million goes a little bit further than it, than it would go in other states. I guess that's just part of it. But, um, you know, I, I think that this is a statement from Tennessee saying, listen, um, we like where this is going. We, we think this is heading in the right direction. Uh, we're happy to give you a little more money here, give you more runway, as Philip Fulmer put it, but but we're not just completely opening up everything yet. You know, this isn't going to go into the $6, 7000000 million range. You know, that, that kind of money has not been earned yet. And, and I think Tennessee is doing this the right way because I, I've always been kind of the believer that you sort of need to spend money to make money. And if you want to win at a high level, you're pretty much – it, maybe it's not necessary, but it really helps to have a coach who is paid that much and is worth that much money. Jeremy Pruitt had never been a head coach before, so you're you're really you're able to get him in at a, at a lower rate to begin. Uh, but at some point, you know, if he keeps winning, you're going to have to keep paying him, and and that's kind of what Tennessee has done for most of its coaches. And and you look through, you know, some of these different sports, even Rick Barnes at the time for for what he 
for what his resume was, I think Tennessee got him for a, a pretty reasonable rate at, at the beginning. I don't think they went just crazy on it. And since right. then, of course, you know, he's won and he's, he's earned more money and, and it's gone that way. But this Tennessee model is not this Alabama model of, of go out and pay absolute top dollar up front for the very top person that you can get in the field. Tennessee, for right or wrong, historically has not done that. Uh, Tennessee has gone out there and made more reasonable hires economically or financially on the front end. And then if you earn that much money once you get there, they have no problem paying it, but they don't like paying for something they don't, they don't have yet. Right. And, I mean, you look at the number, even with the raise, uh, the number that he goes to, what is it? I don't have it in front of me. That's pretty poor preparation on my part. But, I mean, you look at Nick Saban, he almost makes $9 million. There's no amount of money that you can really pay him where it wouldn't be worth it. Uh, based on how he turns programs, you know, how he wins at the rate that he wins. Jimbo Fisher at $7.5 million, I'd much rather have Jeremy Pruitt at the number I've got him at than pay that kind of money to Jimbo. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he does something at Texas A&M eventually, but it's it's kind of felt like slow going there. I mean, Kirby Smart, $6.8 million, he's probably worth worth that kind of figure uh, the way he recruits at Georgia. I mean, even Dan Mullen, he's he's above $6 million, just barely above $6 million, but I mean, you can go down this list uh, that I have in front of me, Pat Fitzgerald, Mike Gundy, Scott Frost. These are all guys that make make way more right now than uh, Jeremy Pruitt. I think they're around $5 million. So the number that you've got him at, uh, I think it's a really good number, and, and you're still giving him a pretty significant raise. Obviously, $400,000 annually is uh, nothing to sneeze at for the common man, but uh, it still puts you at a good number. They've invested in his staff. Um, uh, they've paid well to his assistants. They've let him go out and get the coordinators that he wants. So um, – the way he's built it, kind of the vision that they've had from the start, it seems to be working, and, and it makes sense to want to keep that moving forward. And, and I like the fact that we, we've not we've not seen this too much because I think it's a pretty unreasonable stance uh, that some people have made. I, I don't I don't want to go ahead and just call it completely unreasonable, uh, but I, I'll say that uh, it's not surprising to see that some people have said, "Well, you look around the economy right now, you look around the world, you look around the state, you look around the country, the region, etc., and you see a lot of people losing their jobs. You see the economies going in the wrong direction. Some people, some places are taking pay cuts." Why are you, you know, announcing an extension and a raise for, for anyone in this environment? Uh, even when, you know, University of Tennessee, the, their, the budget is, you know, without fans, you know, going into stands, uh, without being able to fill up Neyland this season. It's a different picture economically right now. But, but I, I think those people need to be more realistic about this. Uh, this is going to hurt for a while, but eventually, knock on wood, it will pass at some point. If we all kind of hang around this thing together and kind of find a way to beat this, the doctors and those guys do their part, we do our part, you know, we can we can get past this. And when that does happen, you, you, you still have to be able to put out a product uh, that people are going to want to watch, and, and you're going to have to put out a winning product. And if you, if a coach earns a, an extension and he earns a raise, you're going to have to go ahead and do that because th- this is this is a huge deal for this state. This is a huge deal uh, for for this region. You know, Tennessee football, uh, when it is doing what it needs to be doing, everybody else tends to benefit economically from that. So. I don't have any problem with, with the timing of this announcement. I think if they had done it maybe at the very, very front end of the pandemic, that would be one thing. Uh, but And they, they didn't do it then. Jeremy Pruitt told Philip Fulmer, I don't want this to be signed yet. I don't want this to be announced yet. I think we need to wait on this. And I think that was a smart thing to do. But announcing it now, I have zero problem with that. And I also think that, that if you're Tennessee and you're Philip Fulmer, you're kind of seeing the long game here. And you're saying, you know what, let's go ahead 
and put that ring on it. Let's go ahead and extend this thing. Let's make this commitment to each other. That way it's a weird year. And if like 15 or 20 guys or something can't play against South Carolina or Missouri and you lose, you you still have seen what this coach can do in your opinion in the long run. And you don't want the, the, you don't want to be sort of arrested by the moment uh, in the next couple of weeks. Whatever happens this season is for any team in the SEC. It's not going to be a complete uh, encapsulation of that head coach and that head coach's staff and what they're able to do because of, like you said, the number of people uh, that you might be missing. I think that's what I like about the timing is it, it kind of shows that commitment before 2020 gets underway. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what it's going to look like? I mean, Tennessee could lose four out of its 10 games, that would be a really good season to go six and four. Uh, anything above six and four would be really, really good. So, I mean, you could go five and five or four and six, but uh, I think regardless of what the record, you could have a pretty bad record. And I'm not sure you'd really want to judge 100% your coaching capability based on that season. So uh, to reward him for 2020, uh, 2019, sorry, the way that ended the last few weeks of the season, uh, just the way he's handled the program since he's got here. Uh, one of the things that's always kind of impressed me about him is, you know, he was the same guy after Georgia State and after BYU in terms of what he says publicly as the way he talks when they've won six in a row or seven out of eight when they've got all that kind of momentum going. So, And I'm not a win the press conference guy like people are when, when coaches get hired and all that stuff, but just kind of the way he approaches his job, the way he handles the program, I think he's been a really good fit from Tennessee from day one. Uh, he sounds like the guy that should be running the program. There's a lot of people, obviously, that believe in him, a lot of players. Uh, a lot of former players, as much as they've vouched for him uh, after he's gone on to different jobs. So uh, to reward him, to keep him here uh, before crazy season starts, I think that was a wise move. And I think it's even better. I'm not privy to the details on, you know, how deferring the raise happened or came about, but to do that uh, makes a ton of sense. And it's a really good PR move to, to let that out to, to, you know, whatever leaked that uh, before it was reported. I mean, sorry, before it was made official. Um, because of obviously the budget concerns and what everybody's doing in terms of cuts to to kind of keep these athletic departments going. Yeah, I, I like the way that he handles himself in those situations, and I think he does that for a couple of reasons. One, I think that's just kind of his personality. He he's kind of a guy who, you know, he's kind of got some of that old school blood in him, and he just kind of, you know, he he takes every day as its own thing, and he he doesn't look too far ahead and whether it's a good result or a bad result, he kind of sits there and he says, you know what, you know, it's, it's, it's a process here. We're going through this thing. And, and can you do that forever? Probably not. I mean, at some point, you know, you gotta, you gotta be pretty fired up or pretty upset <laughs> at something. Um, but I think overall, I, th- I think for where Tennessee is right now, that makes sense. And I, but I think the biggest reason that he does it, and, and you saw this even last year, you know, when that Georgia State game happened, there was a lot of, I don't want to say deer in the headlights, but a lot of people in the program were really taken aback because they just, they flat out did not see that coming. They, they did not expect that game to go that way. They learned some lessons the hard way. It was embarrassing. Uh, they moved on, played better the next week, but they lost again. Things looking pretty rough. Then they go into the meat of the schedule and it gets really bad. Um, but the entire time, Pruitt kind of kept up a pretty good face about things, and, and I think that helped the team improve. But even when they went there and won those games down the stretch, they won those six games. I think part of the reason you saw his reaction kind of being muted to some of that w- w- was there's a level of football that he's used to seeing in his career. Um, right. I'd have to go back, and, and I'll, I, I can probably look this up pretty quickly here, but the record that he had uh, on teams that he coached uh, as an assistant coach was just absolutely bonkers. Uh, I think that record was, 
probably past summit levels. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, it was. Let's see, I've almost got it here in front of me. Um, this is bad preparation. Um, basically, they were, I think, uh, about ninety six and thirteen, I believe. The, yeah. the teams that he was on as an assistant coach were ninety six and thirteen. That would be if he were a head coach, which he obviously weren't, wasn't. But if he were a head coach, that would be the highest percentage in history. That's better right. than Newt Rockney. That's better than anyone. That that's just unbelievable. That that amount of winning. So there's a level of football he's used to saying. And even when Tennessee won six consecutive games last season, he did not get that excited about it because he has been around the caliber of football. Uh, that is as good as anywhere in college football. He's got several national championship rings. He's been a part of a lot of conference championships. He has seen football, college football, played at its apex. He knows that Tennessee is nowhere near that right now. So he saw in those games, several of those six games, Tennessee should have lost and or could have lost, maybe should have lost in a couple of cases, and those would have been bad losses. Let, let, let's be blunt about that. Those would not have been good losses in some of those cases. So he has seen a level of football that is better than you'll see anywhere else. And until Tennessee gets sort of in that vicinity, I don't think you're going to see him get too fired up about things. Cause I think he, he, there's a way he is used to seeing things done. And that's kind of where he set the standard for himself. I think. He's not going to be ready to tear down the goalpost after you beat Mississippi state at home, after you were a whatever point underdog to Mississippi state at home or South Carolina later in the season or Saturday, if, if they go on the road and, and, uh, open 2020 with a win at South Carolina. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. And I think it's a, um, you want that kind of mentality. Uh, you want that kind of, you know, personality from the guy that's leading your program that he's not going to be, you know, uh, over the moon for beating teams that you should beat if your program's headed in the right direction and your program is uh, where you want it to be. So, yeah, I agree with that. That's a good point. And um, it, it's been expected, like you said, to start with for months and months and months now, but here it is. It's finally happened and, and they can kind of get that out of the way and go play football the other half of that is that he somehow managed to do that grant without sort of alienating himself in his own locker room he, he's been able to right. he's been able to to kind of push these guys to prod these guys to tell them this is still not good enough this is still not anywhere near acceptable and he's been able to to create a culture where these kids by and large they're not bucking that they're they're not Saying, well, I mean, come on, we've won six in a row, bro. What are you, what are you being all down, man? I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. Like we're winning, you know. I, he's not done that, and I think that's a that's a testament to the 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 kinds of guys he's recruited. Uh, I think that's a testament to the the assistant coaches that he's hired to put on his staff. I think for a guy who'd never been a head coach before, he's he's done a pretty good job of minimizing mistakes while building a culture of people around him who are like minded, who see things the same way he does. And understand that, you know, hey, rather than them being upset, that these kids being upset that they're being pushed, they seem to embrace it for the most part. They seem to be excited about it because he believes they can do better and, and they're excited to hear that and they want to go, they go play hard for him. Uh, right. and, and you hear for some of these players talk about, it. I mean, it's not like they're talking about him like he's walking on water, but they like the guy and they like playing for the guy. And I think it's hard to be sort of that it's a fine line there of being the coach who consistently wants more without that being annoying. Cause you saw with people like Butch Jones, when he did some things like that and not that there's any human beings on the planet quite like Butch Jones, but there was a lot of built up hostility over time in that program, in that locker room toward him for those reasons. 
and you're not seeing anything like that right now. I'm not hearing a peep of that other than, no. you, you know, the, you hear about the occasional guy getting upset and he leaves, but I think that's normal. And that's, that's just what, that's what happens in college right. football. That's, that's college athletics. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you go back and when Tennessee hired this guy, uh, the way former players, the, the way guys on that Alabama defense that he was leaving uh, to go coach Tennessee, the way they talked about him. I mean, coaches talk about how your players are your program's best recruiters. Uh, I think former players can be um, some of your best, you know, uh, sources of kind of what you're going to get out of a head coach or somebody that you're hiring. Um, there's no doubt about it. He's a player's coach. I think there, he's always kind of had that reputation. Um, I think a lot of that uh, kind of being able to handle kind of the, the, you know, what he says behind closed doors, what he says, in, you know, in public, uh, the way he handles the program day to day. I, I would venture to say a lot of that goes back to his dad being a high school coach and kind of growing up around this business and kind of understanding it from that level, even though he hadn't been a head coach before uh, when he got here. Uh, but I think there's no doubt he's a player's coach. Uh, I, I think a lot of these guys would, would go to bat pretty heavily for him based on what he's done. I think it, a lot of that goes back to kind of how genuine he is, what you see, what you get. There's not a lot of Correct. layers to go through with this guy. Um, really, I mean, what people – I don't know, people would tend to ask you about coaches is what they're like behind the scenes or what they're like when the camera's off. This guy is pretty much the same exact guy. When he, he's he, he is doors. more or less exactly what you would expect. Right, as he is sitting in front of a microphone at a press conference. And I think that comes through. People want genuine, uh, be around genuine people who, you know, cut through the crap and, and get to it. And I think he does that. And uh, good for Tennessee to, you know, give him a couple more years, give him some more dollars down the line. And uh, hopefully for the sake of Tennessee fans and uh, Jeremy Pruitt, they keep heading the right direction. I can guarantee you there's times where he's wanted to, um, just the players made him want to go crazy. Um, oh, sure. And, and he has, he will admit that to the player himself. Uh, he might admit that to someone else that he knows in the business. I, I mean, I think we've all heard some, some, some things um, over the years. But, but he's, but he's been really, really, you know, kind of positive with those guys when he's talked. And when he hasn't been positive, he has added the important caveat: this starts with me. Uh, which is something that players everywhere, I don't care what the sport is, that's what they want to hear. And when players hear that from a coach, the players will normally come out and then respond and say, no, no, it starts with us, not with him. And that's how you have self-accountability, and that's how you start getting better. So I think that you, the proof will be in the pudding. There's no question about that. We will see if they end up being uh, if this ends up being a wise investment. We'll see if this is the right guy for the job. Uh, and, and we've not seen winning at a high level yet. We, we haven't. Let's call it what it is. But you're seeing the pieces put in place to where you, I think for the first time in a while, I think I feel pretty confident that Tennessee is going in a better direction. Uh, right. you, can, you can kind They're of see They're closing the gap. Yeah, you can kind of see closing the talent gap. I mean, yeah. I mean, to put a, put a bow on it, he's, he's got the right amount of patience. He's got the right amount of uh, competitiveness. He's got the right amount of, uh, I guess, expectations, elite expectations, uh, like the winning programs you talked about. Um, and if they can keep recruiting at the level they're recruiting at uh, year over year, stack these classes, really turn over the roster uh, to where it's all his guys, all his evaluations, him and his staff, 
uh, you would think it's going to be a pretty good football program because it seems like that's the direction it's headed. Of course, we're saying that now, and uh, what happens here in just about 48 hours or so could could change yeah. that conversation in a hurry or could, could kick that conversation into another gear entirely. Saturday night, there could be some messages on the board asking what the buyout is. That's, uh, well, let's get the updated buyout going. Yeah, let, let's make sure we have those figures handy, right? I mean, because you never know, because we're all being kumbaya right now, uh, but in a couple days, uh, this thing starts getting real, and a weird season is about to get underway, starting with a weird game that is so hard to predict for so many reasons. And we're going to spend the second segment of this podcast doing that, guys. Before we do that, though, we're going to step away. We're going to pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things. And we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a moment ago. I guarantee you none of those uh, products will be the Wi-Fi company who can KMA because of their service recently and what it's done to uh, this podcast uh, in some cases and, and more often in Zoom press conferences. I'm not going to mention your name, Wi-Fi provider, but you know who you are and you know you've let me down, and I'm going to leave it at that. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Blunt County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7. We're going to talk a little Tennessee, South Carolina, because, hey, guys, football season starts on Saturday night. we got plenty to talk about with that, and we're going to get right to that in just a second. Before we do that, though, I'm going to please, please, if you could please, please listen for just one second. Please, guys, just, just calm down listen for one second. Please go in and hit the subscribe button on this podcast. I don't care if you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, uh, anywhere in the Google Marketplace, anywhere you're listening to this podcast, wherever you can cast a fine pod, you will find our podcast. Please hit the subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast. We are happy to do this for free. We really are. It's a labor of love. The one thing we're going to ask in return, if you could hit that subscribe button, if you could rate and review this podcast, uh, there's nothing you can do that would help us more than that. So please tell your friends, please subscribe. Uh, and please rate and review. And if we start giving away some merch and doing some other things like that down the road, and, and if we start 
Uh, we might take some more mailbag questions in that way when we get back to some of the mailbag episodes during the season. We could base some of that stuff off the, the ratings and reviewing. So please, uh, you, you can call that payola if you want. I, I, I care not. I care not. We will buy your love. Money can't buy happiness, but I think it can buy your love. That's our new. That's one of our new slogans here on the Go Boss Twenty Four Seven podcast. Grant, it's my parenting slogan. There you go. Boom. What do you? What's that you want? Yeah, here you go. Have at it. Although not if they mess up your house, though. I know how you are about if there's one thing out of place in that house. Yeah, right. You haven't seen my house, dude. You clean your house like every that's five the, that's seconds. That's the official. That's the official grandparenting slogan. I will buy your love. <laughs> I will buy. I will. Money can't buy happiness, but it will buy love here on the Go Boss Twenty Four Seven podcast. Speaking of uh, uh, buying love, uh, Tennessee could uh, could buy some more love. I think with its fan base, if it goes out there Saturday night against South Carolina, awkward transition. Forgive me. Goes out there and gets a win. Uh, we all know this is a weird year. We all know that there's been um, so much uncertainty. We didn't know whether the season was actually going to happen. We know no one's el- eligibility counts in this year, even though the NCAA should get that memo with Cade Mays. Um, but, you know, it's a weird year, and I think some people on some level, most people on some level do understand that. But, Grant, it's still SEC football, and Tennessee has taken momentum into this season and I don't think there's any question that people will expect Tennessee to go to South Carolina and find a way to win. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they opened what they opened in Vegas, minus three. And I think it might have moved to minus three and a half. So that tells you uh, what the odds maker thinks and what the betters think uh, of Tennessee. And yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, it's, it's, you know, a team you've never seen, a team nobody's seen in terms of uh, from camp, we usually get so much time in camp to actually see what's the product on the field, even if it's just for, you know, early individual periods of practice or whatever personnel-wise. We haven't seen any of that. We've relied on pictures that Tennessee sent out to everybody. We've relied on video from practices that Tennessee sent out. We've relied on, you know, what what Pruitt, what his coaches, what his players have said for the last four weeks, uh, but trying to figure out what it's actually going to look like when it rolls out on the field, what the product's going to look like on a game day, especially opening on the road uh, in the SEC, even though it is, you know, obviously a a limited capacity at Williams-Price. Good luck trying to figure it out. Uh, You don't know what you're going to get until it's out there. And, you know, Tennessee probably has the talent advantage when you go up and down the roster, uh, the position groups, the depth and stuff like that. Um, But trying to figure out who's going to make the – fewer mistakes in this game between these two teams, how, which team has been hit harder in camp by the, you know, the, the tracing and the active cases and all that stuff. Uh, good luck trying to figure out what's going to happen in this game. Cause I've been trying to figure out all week what my score prediction is going to be for it. And it kind of just keeps going back and forth. Yeah. I think that, and we'll have our score predictions in there on the site Friday morning, uh, as, as we usually do or Friday around lunchtime, whenever those end up rolling out. Uh, but it, it'll be, you know, probably before you finished your lunch. I imagine that you'll be able to see it if you if you want to go there and look at it. So we'll have those then. I don't want to give away the score predictions that we have now. But to take y'all behind the curtain a little bit here, just a peek behind the curtain uh, as to to where things normally are. Uh, Tennessee, I would say, normally is right around the middle of the league in terms of what we get to see. There are some places that will let you see a little bit more, uh, but there are some places that let you see even less. And what do I mean by that? Uh, for perspective on this, we normally get anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes a day, uh, the first, you know, certainly throughout preseason camp, except for scrimmages, where which we see none of. 
And then during the season, we'll see the first three days, I guess Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, some of those days usually uh, we'll get to see, what, 15 to 20 minutes or, or whatever it is. Uh, there are some places where you see even less. One of those places is South Carolina, where, and I, I was not aware of this until uh, our good friend John Whittle from the Big Spur told me about this earlier this week, and that's our South Carolina 24-7 site. He said that since Will Muschamp took the job at South Carolina, the media there has seen one practice period where a forward pass was thrown. Amazing. And, and that's not even just like team drills. I'm talking about like individuals, like the stuff we get to see every single day, which is, you know, running back or, or you know, routes, routes on, on air. Yeah, call There you go. I can't find the right phrase. Routes on air. Uh, occasionally maybe get to see a couple of one-on-one matchups with DBs, depending on what day it is. But we at least get to see routes on air every day. Uh, except for the one time where Justin Worley had hurt his shoulder and Butch Jones the entire week uh, in the periods we were out there had all the running back or all the quarterbacks do nothing but hand the ball off. Uh, even though we had reported that he had a torn thing in there, a lot of some other people had reported it. He still went through the motions of watching Worley hand off in practice to say, Oh, he's okay. There's, there's no problem there. Uh, and this stuff goes back to even when, you know, Philip Fulmer was the coach and Jason Swain was a wide receiver, his entire senior season, he hardly ever practiced because uh, it was either his knee or his ankle. I forget. He'll probably smack me for, for, for forgetting, but one of them was bothering him so much that he and Fulmer basically had an agreement that, listen, you go out there for the periods, the media's out there, they'll make sure when they do their checklist, they'll see you on there, and then the second the media goes outside, you go right back to the training room, and I'll see you Saturday. And, and that was that's how much sort of respect they had and understanding between each other of, hey, I need you on Saturday, um, but I don't want anybody to know how badly you're hurt. So how do you feel about this? And Swain was on board with it, and that's what they did. So you see that kind of stuff happen. Um, but we we can normally tell if somebody's hurt. We go out there, we watch practice, we can see, hey, I don't know how this guy's going to do in a team drill, this linebacker, but, man, he looks big and he's fast and he's mean. His form looks good in these tackling drills. He looks like he's running with the ones and twos uh, in some of these position drills. I think this is a guy you're going to need to watch for on Saturday. Those are the kinds of things we can normally see even when we don't see that much. This entire preseason, we have seen for every practice – no more than three minutes of B-roll. That's what we've gotten. And by B-roll, I mean guys standing around, guys stretching, guys walking to the practice field and off the practice field, and occasionally, occasionally, a couple of position drills. That's what we've seen. And they do a pretty clever job of, you know, with the photos and the videos they release, you can't always tell who is out and who's not. So bottom line is we don't know, one, exactly what they're going to look like, Two, who's going to be there? Three, who's not going to be there? We don't know. And we've seen none of this. Now, we do have more access, Grant, than most people do in terms of we've been around this program for years. We know people. We can make calls. We, we get information. We have sources. There are things we can tell you. But more, more so than ever, Grant, there are things we just can't – that we don't know. And I'm being candid about that. Right. I mean, the, the, the biggest um, through the week and through camp – in previous years and normal years, the biggest thing when you're out there for 15 minutes um, in terms of even bigger than trying to judge who can do what and who does it best is just a body count, figuring out who's on the practice field, uh, who's not on the practice field, why they're not on the practice field, uh, that kind of thing. And we're not going to know that fully uh, the personnel until, you know, Patrick Brown's in Columbia Saturday night and they come out for pregame and you're counting bodies. You're trying to figure out who's there, who's dressed, who's not, 
uh, who made the trip, who didn't make the trip, who's available to play, who's not available to play. Uh, and this, this COVID, you know, the, the, with the contact tracing and the, the active cases and who's out and who's not, that's the new injury list. I mean, injuries obviously is going to be something you're, that's important in your tracking, but the biggest thing week to week is going to be trying to figure out who's available uh, and who's not available. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt basically said it to start the game week uh, Monday in his press conference that they're not going to release numbers. Uh, they're not going to say names to not put themselves at a competitive disadvantage. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't do it either if I didn't have to. Uh, so that's going to be the biggest thing. Just Saturday night, just seeing who's on the field, you know, 90 minutes before kickoff and who's going through uh, warmups looking like they're going to play. I think that's going to be the biggest kind of, you know, aha moment of who's available and who's not and maybe what this team will look like because uh, Tennessee's got a really good offensive line. Tennessee's got really good running backs. Tennessee's got a veteran quarterback. Tennessee's got a really good secondary. They've got good linebackers. But if those guys aren't available to play, you don't know what that team's going to look like week to week. So just getting the personnel, just finally getting a glimpse at what this team's going to look like uh, Saturday night pregame uh, will be a big step forward. And then there, there's the there's the fact that if it runs through an entire position group, you're going to have big problems. Um, and, right. and you're going to have to have versatility. I mean, I will say that in, in Tennessee's, uh, this is a benefit for Tennessee. This is where Jeremy Pruitt, being a former high school coach for years, comes into something that could help Tennessee because, you know, in high school, that's you kind of get what you get and you got to kind of make it work. And and so that kind of um, that kind of MacGyvering of a roster is something that that I think can can help. And and if you're too young to get that reference, just go ahead and Google it, MacGyver. You'll 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 get there. You'll figure it out. Um, but basically putting together whatever you can in, in terms of, of a roster that can help you compete in a football game. And I want to be clear about this too. We, this is not a complaint that, that we don't know much. I get why we're not around. I wouldn't want us around either because the more people are around you right now, the worse it is. So I think Tennessee is doing this exactly the right way. Now um, I think it, it, if you could have had maybe football writers get together across the country and say, Hey, still leave the zoom up for a few minutes during practice, a live feed where we can see some stuff that that never would happen. I see you shaking your head, Grant. It would never happen. No, never but in a million years. Never in a million years. But what I'm saying is you would at least at that point have some, you know, you could have it almost kind of be like normal in, in some ways, right? You know, right. B- but bottom line is I'm not complaining because the most important thing is the health and safety of those players and, and really of us in the media also. I mean, it's an important thing. It's for everyone. So I get why they're doing it, but because they're doing it, there's less we know. There are some things we know, though, um, and I think there will be some things that even though South Carolina's got a new offensive coordinator in Mike Bobo, and when you combine that with you know a quarterback who, who's come in and transferred and he's going to be their starter in this game, you know they've got one proven uh, wide receiver, one proven skill position player, period, back on the team, and that's Shai Smith, who Tennessee fans probably will remember from last year, I, I would imagine, from that that, that early on the play. A, a certain play in that game? A certain play very early in that game that you probably remember. He might or might not have been at your seat by the time he was scoring 75 yards on the first snap. That's true. Don't be late because you will miss it, uh, what happened in that play. Uh, that, was, uh, that was quick. That was quick, quick, quick. But you'll probably know him. But regardless – no matter that there are so many new faces on the South Carolina offense and a new coordinator running it, Jeremy Pruitt knows Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo knows Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Mike Bobo worked for years at, at Georgia. People around the league know him. Jeremy Pruitt knows him and likes him personally. They, they get along. They go back. 
they will know each other, and they will know each other's tendencies. And Pruitt had a quote earlier this week that I think summed it up pretty well, and he said, we both know what the other's going to do. We just don't know when the other's going to do it. Um, because coaches, these the, these guys, you can watch film, you can go back years and years and years, you can get a pretty darn good idea what someone's going to do. Now, there's still uncertainty going into a game because Bobo's never coached any of these players except for the quarterback when they were together at Colorado State. So he doesn't know. Um, you know, when you're, when you're watching film, you're watching South Carolina's players from last year, then you're watching everything in the Mike Bobo catalog, which is pretty extensive, and you're trying to pit together, okay, we knew this kid from recruiting. We know sort of what he can do and what he can't do. How would you think, if you were Bobo, how would you use him? Go. Right. And, and that's how you start putting together a game plan. Uh, but also, in this kind of weird COVID year, you might just be focusing on doing it everything as simply as you can because you'd rather do 10 things at 100 miles an hour than 100 things at 10 miles an hour. So there's a lot of unknowns. But where I get back to on this, Grant, is that if both of these teams were anywhere near full strength, if both of these teams are near full strength, I think Tennessee has a better roster. I think Tennessee won this game last season. I think Tennessee can be better on the line of scrimmage. And I think Tennessee has some some questions uh, for some skilled players offensively, no question. Uh, but South Carolina's got a lot more, especially without Marshawn Lloyd, I believe, being able to play the, the, the freshman sensation running back. He will not play this season because of an injury. So I think what it boils down to is, if these games, if these if these teams are anywhere near full strength in a quarter capacity road game, I still think Tennessee's a better team. I agree, uh, and for once, it's, it feels like in a long time Tennessee has the continuity uh, advantage. Even though, obviously, Muschamp's not a new coach there; he's been there for a while. He's kind of put his uh, he's built that program into what it is, or this version of the South Carolina program has, has kind of got his fingerprints on it. Uh, but with a new quarterback uh, who, who beat out an incumbent in Ron Holinsky, with a new coordinator who uh, obviously South Carolina's offense has been pretty frustrating uh, for South Carolina fans for the last couple of years trying to figure out their identity and what they're going to do. Um, to bring in a guy from Colorado State, your quarterback, who's had ACLs in the past, who, you know, he's familiar with Bobo, but, you know, how familiar is he with this team? Um, what do you look at Tennessee's strengths? I mean, finally, Jared Garantano is a fifth-year senior. Uh, with a coordinator that's back for the first time, a quarterback coach that's back for the first time, uh, year over year, you know, there's finally a, an off season where he wasn't completely overhauling his uh, verbiage and the scheme and everything that's going on in the, the play caller with Tennessee's offense. There should be, you know, some consistency there. Maybe finally at last that, that Tennessee was looking for last year that could never really find from uh, Garantana. You look at the running backs um, with Eric Gray and Todd Chandler. Obviously, I'd put a lot of trust in them, assuming they're available. Uh, up front, the the line, offensive line, should be one of the best in the SEC with or without Cade Mays. Who knows what's going to happen there uh, with the SEC's ruling. Uh, but even without him, since he's got depth and they've got options up front, uh, obviously wide receivers are a question. But, I mean, when you kind of go down the list, position groups, Tennessee's defensive backs, Tennessee's linebackers, um, I do think Tennessee's the better team. I do think it's a game that Tennessee can win and probably should win. It's just a, uh, you just have no idea what it's going to look like or who's going to be out there, who's going to be doing what, because we just haven't seen anything. I do think this could be a game where from Tennessee you won't see like a tremendous – you won't see a high volume of passes, but you might see a few really big plays in the passing game. And the reason I say that is is pretty simple. If I'm Will Muschamp and I'm looking at what Tennessee's bringing back and I'm looking at the offense and the personnel and the system – and I know especially that that they're that they're kind of have a lot of questions at the tight end spot and some other things. 
I am completely loading the box, and I am going to do everything I can to stifle Gray and Chandler, and I'm going to make Jarrett Garantano beat me. I'm going to say, listen, you go out there. If you beat me, kid, you beat me, but you're going to be the one who does it. And I think Tennessee, Josh Palmer, we know he's got some big playability. We've seen that a couple years ago. was near the top nationally in, in yards per catch. Uh, and then Tennessee has added some freshmen who can really, really run. And Velas Jones Jr. is a guy who can really, if he gets in the open field, you might not catch him. He's really fast. He's, he's a he's an explosive guy. So I think if you're Tennessee, you probably have some opportunities, even early in this game, to really take some shots downfield because I think South Carolina is going to be loaded for bear to to stop you. And, and right. I don't know if you're going to see some bear-type fronts or, or some 50-type stuff. I, I just think you're going to see them almost playing safeties in the box in some cases and really forcing Tennessee to, to beat you with the arm. But I think if they can, if they can protect Garantano, if the tight ends don't break down, if, there's, if the running backs will go out there and protect for him, I think there's some plays to be made there. Because South Carolina's got, you know, I mean, they, they got a really good corner. They got a 6'4 corner who's really, really good. Um, they've got some guys on the back end. And Will Muschamp's a good defensive backs coach. But I think there could be opportunities there. Yeah, I mean, if you go back, what the NFL used to be was a ball control kind of game, shorten the game, make games as short as you can. I don't think time of possession equals wins. Uh, In a lot of cases, translates to wins uh, or makes one difference or the other. Uh, But in a game like this, in a season like this, especially the first few weeks, the more you can control the ball, the more you can uh, shorten the game, uh, the less – opportunity I guess for mistakes can be made if you can control uh, both lines of scrimmage yeah I, I would agree that if I'm South Carolina I'm going to load the box I'm going to try to stop those running backs I'm going to try to uh, you know penetrate that offensive line and, and affect Tennessee in the backfield to try to make them establish something outside of that run game uh, and it's not only you're going to make Jerry Grantana to beat you you're going to make him find somebody to help him beat you uh, somebody uh, if it's a Josh Palmer is he going to how much different is he going to look without Juwan Jennings and without Marquez Callaway out there uh, along with him at wide receiver. And uh, yeah. And one thing is, you know, the, the biggest kind of intangible here of, of all this is mistakes made. Uh, who's going to be yeah. the better special teams team, uh, you know, in all three phases, offensive, defensively, and special teams, you can't, you know, you, you you're going to make mistakes because everybody's going to be sloppy uh, early on, but you better make fewer mistakes than the team across from you because, I mean, you go back to that Georgia State game. I think Pruitt was asked about it on Monday, and he said you can't turn the ball five times, turn over the ball five times, and expect to win. Well, well, you might you might have turnovers here. You might have penalties. The special teams might look rough, just based on what you were or weren't able to do in camp. Uh, but you better make fewer mistakes than the team across the ball because they don't need much. You know, you don't you don't need much daylight to to you know, step in and, and win, kind of steal a win, take something that you shouldn't. Uh, have and Tennessee obviously learned that early on last year so really really intrigued to see the kind of execution level Uh, I would assume they're going to keep things as simple as they can uh, based on the time they had in camp and go from there but just to kind of see how sloppy they are kind of what level of sloppiness they are can they be more clean and and execute better than South Carolina I think one thing that's really kind of interesting is that uh, the return of Joe Doyle means that if he's going to be the holder again, he's been pretty good in that area uh, for, for Tennessee at Joe times. Joe Doyle rules. Yeah, Joe Doyle rules. And, and I think little things like that, like you're going to have a new snapper, right? You're going to have a new snapper. Um, but if you've got, you know, some Aglia back there and you got a guy who he knows holding the ball for him, 
I think you feel pretty good about that. You just wonder about protection. Uh, and if you're Tennessee, I think, you know, with some of the athletes back there, I think Bryce Thompson, uh, they've not been able to risk him the past couple of years for different reasons. I know he missed a, a lot of practice, a lot of early time last season. That hurt him too. I think he is a dynamic return specialist. And I think he's going to get an opportunity this season to show that. And I think right. he could make a big play in this game. But you wonder about, you know, you got a new snapper in there. You wonder about protection. You know, there are some different things that, that that really could make a huge difference in a game. And we've seen this time and time again that a big special teams play will absolutely change a game. And, and that's going to be huge. And, and if you're Tennessee, that threat of the running game goes out the window if you're consistently sitting there in first and 15. Uh, because right. you get a false start penalty or because, right. you know, you, you get too many. You're you not know, playing behind the sticks. Yeah, you got too many in the huddle. You know, you, you got, you know, you just can't do that. You can't have you can't have too many of those penalties because at that point um, you're you're going to be in trouble. But I think it's so difficult because there are so many things that normally going into a season we'd be like, oh, we don't know about this, we don't know about that. There are so many more things that we don't know going into this game. Um, but I know Pat disagreed with me earlier this week when I said that I think it almost makes it kind of exciting in a way um, because not knowing what to expect, it, it's kind of what makes this fun in some ways. I mean, what 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 are we going to see? Are we going to see something that, hey, man, this, this is pretty good actually, or are we going to go, oh, no, this does not look good? Uh, and then you have to go, okay, was it just a bad start because of a weird year or is this team really in trouble? Um, because, you know, you've been preparing, you've been preparing – and now you're you're going SEC only. You're getting in the block, and you got a hundred yard dash. Let's go. Uh, I mean, uh, that, that's what you've got right now. So, I think it's fun. I really do. Um, and I I disagree completely. In you, your sentence is I, that how Pat did it? Basically, he went. He went. Mm, I think it's better to know. It's like okay. Well, yes, Pat. In an average year, yes, it's better to know. Um, but in a year where so many things have been so frustrating maybe this will be kind of fun. To, to yes, football's back. Of course it's going to be fun. I mean, and that's uh, what... It's going to be intriguing. There's there's huge levels of intrigue trying to figure out what's going on here and what this team will look like. Uh, there are knowns. I mean, you have a veteran quarterback that you should trust to get you in and out of the right stuff, uh, execution-wise, call-wise, on the field, operate, you know, just the fundamental stuff. I mean, Pruitt did say they're going to go the first couple weeks in camp mode because they've missed time in camp and they're still mm-hmm. trying to kind of play catch up with what they couldn't do on the practice field. And that's worrisome, but you should trust Garantano to get you in and out of the right stuff and, and kind of be that extension of the coach on the field. And you should trust Henry Totoa to do the same on defense to, uh, to, you know, signal everything on defense to get you in and out of the right stuff to kind of be that quarterback of the defense. Um, but they're going to have to establish a run. They're going to have to be able to do that. Even if South Carolina stacks the box with this offensive line, they're going to have to figure out a way, uh, to dominate the line of scrimmage uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, if, you know, if Toto can run the defense uh, well enough, you know, they're going to have to generate a pass rush. If you, you know, outside of just the fundamentals doing the right stuff, they're going to have to generate a pass rush and not let Colin Hill sit back there and, and have all day to throw. Um, defensive backs are going to have to force some coverage sacks. Uh, that's a veteran group. That's an experienced group. They should be able to play well, uh, but you're going to, you're going to run the ball and you're going to affect the quarterback and, if you can do that, maybe that takes away a lot of the unknowns um, because obviously those those unknowns far outweigh the knowns. And I guess the, the last thing here before we step out, guys, I, I, I won't give away the prediction yet, um, but but I think you've gotten the the gist uh, during the past you know 20 minutes or so of, of us discussing sort of what 
what's happening with some of the unknowns in this game and, and how, how unique it is. But I, I'm also going to go – I'll go on record and say this. I, I, I do think Tennessee should win this game unless there is something with COVID that we don't know yet. Unless, you know, if, if they show up and they've got 15 guys who can't play and eight of them would be starters or something like that, if that happens, then I'll, okay, then then that could change everything. And, and that's the weird thing about picking games this year is you, you just don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that I'm going to assume uh, – or not assume, I'm going to guess that if both teams go in there about full strength or 75%, whatever it is, if they're anywhere near each other in that way, I think Tennessee's got a better team and, and should win this game. I agree. I think, if anything, obviously Tennessee fans weren't happy when A&M and Auburn were added to the schedule uh, by the SEC, but when they did reshuffle everything, they gave Tennessee two winnable games to start the year. I mean, you probably are a better football team than South Carolina, and that's a game you should win um, or could win. It's a winnable game. And then you come home to Missouri. That's obviously another winnable game because Missouri is one of those programs that's kind of starting from scratch, and it's going to be a long season playing a 10-game SEC only schedule for those kind of teams. So to get those for the first two and then you roll into Georgia, that's different than starting with Florida or, or, you know, starting with Georgia. Usually Tennessee has Florida and Georgia in those early weeks of the season, the SEC schedule. This time you got South Carolina, you got Missouri. If you can start 2-0, and uh, then go to Georgia. That's that's a really huge opportunity uh, and would be a really nice start for, for what should be a really fun season, assuming it's, you know, it plays and, and everything happens on schedule because finally, you know, we've been waiting for football for so long. Here it is. And if you're wondering why we haven't talked much about Cade Mays guys, it's because we still just don't know. And, and I think when you look at the, when you look at the words from Greg Sankey earlier this week, I, I think, you, you know, and then you get Pruitt saying that, that the, he's not aware of the SEC even contacting Mays to this point. Uh, I think at this point in the week, you tend to lean toward, well, he's not going to be out there. And, and if he is, it's a, it's a bonus, but I think that's why we haven't discussed that. But, Grant, unless there's anything else that you've got to add, I think we've about got this wrapped up. Wrap it up. Put the bow on it. <laughs> if Anytime you ask Grant, do you, do you want to hey, do you want to add a few more words or, or do you want to say less words? What less. Do you less words. Less words. See you, buddy. Silence. Guys, thanks for tuning in, as always. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, sir, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. Or if you want to go to Facebook, you can get all kinds of good Tennessee stuff there at facebook.com slash govals 24-7. we got a really active page there, stuff going on all day long. Please go check that out, too. we got a bunch of stuff there. Or if you want to get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water just right from the tap. You can go get that at GoVols247.com. Always got a lot of great specials right now. Got really, really good specials going on here until the season starts. 60% off for your first year, which is just a stupid good rate. Uh, And even if you're paying full price, that's still less than one reasonable, mediocre lunch per month. That's it. And if you pay us the full price, you get access to CBS All Access for free in perpetuity. That's a $100 plus annual value that we are just giving to you for free, no questions asked. That's everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made, commercial free, new movies in and out every month, live sports, SEC football, uh, college football, NFL football, college basketball, NCAA tournament, 
World Series of Poker, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all of that stuff is on CBS All Access, and we will give all of that to you for free if you subscribe to GoBalls247.com. Pretty good deal. Uh, and on top of that, you also get access uh, to tons of stuff from Smithsonian, tons of stuff from uh, BET, from MTV, uh, from Comedy Central, and from Nickelodeon for the kids. So all kinds of good stuff there for free if you do that. Please go rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. And if nothing else, you will hear from us after the game. I would say Saturday night, but if we're honest... That's a 7.30 kick, so we're probably talking early, early, early Sunday morning. Uh, But if there's no breaking news, until then, you will hear from us then. See y'all. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.